Hi, thank you. So for those of you who don't know me, I'm Vix. I'm married to Rich. And we are based here in Gateway. We're part of the team here. But the site that we go to and lead our da is down at 502. Um, so we're based in a slightly different site. I am currently studying for a master's in applied positive psychology and coaching psychology which basically means I am studying the science of happiness and how to help others be more happy. Um, and today I wanted to talk to you about soul care as we've heard loads about winning souls, going to the ends of the earth, church planting, but actually to the ends of the earth and the depths of our heart. Jesus tells us to go and make disciples but it starts with us as leaders first, taking care of our own souls. So I'm going to take a slightly different approach. Um, there's nothing new under the sun, so you're not going to hear anything novel. But I am going to bring what science teaches us about happiness and map it onto the Bible. Because the Bible is the final word. Um, so you're going to have from me some really practical things that maybe you would like to try. I don't want to put a burden on you. I don't want you to find a place where your soul will strive. But these are things maybe for us to consider what we can apply in our life to maybe anchor our soul. Some of you may be old enough to remember Terry Waite. Terry Waite was a hostage negotiator for the Anglican Church in the 80s. And in 1987, he was taken captive. He was held for five years. He was tortured. He was mostly held in solitary confinement. He tells of one story where he was taken into a room that was going to be his base, and it was tiled. The walls were tiled, the floors were tiled, and it occurred to him, oh, this room is built to be cleaned quickly. Now, upon his release, Terry shared that his faith in Jesus gave him the strength to persevere. And I heard an interview with him once, and what he said really struck me and has stayed with me years after. This is what he said. Hope sustained me during my five years in captivity. I could say in the face of my captors, you have the power to break my body and you've tried. You have the power to bend my mind and you've tried, but my soul is not yours to possess. From this we see that a healthy soul rooted in Christ, will sustain us in the most difficult circumstances. If our souls are well-nourished, anchored in Christ, we may know his peace when trouble comes. Terry's testimony tells us why soul care is so important, because Jesus warns us, trouble will come. And we can engage to ensure that we have a healthy soul that will stand in that day. 
Jesus wants us to care for our souls. He asks his disciples, for what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? Or what shall a man give in return for his soul? It is possible to chase after the things of this world, maybe even to chase after the things of ministry and forfeit our soul. And this is why soul care is so important. So let's just take a moment to pause. We're taught in the Bible to have a sober assessment of ourselves. So just in your heart, ask the Holy Spirit, what is the state of my soul? Are you experiencing the warmth of the summer? Great. This is the season to tend to your soul. Become the tree that is planted by a well-watered stream and deepen roots that are anchored in the Lord. Draw from his sustaining power. Maybe you are in the depths of winter and where it's cold, you are closed off and you are fighting the bitter winds of discontent. And if that is you, I really believe that God wants to meet with you today. He sees you. He knows it is hard. As I was preparing, I got a real sense that there may be even people who have just dragged their bones here today, and you need a touch from his spirit, and he is here. Take heart, take heart, for he will meet the needs of your soul. And if that is you, don't leave today without prayer. There are many people who would love to come alongside you and to walk with you and pray with you today. So let's get a little bit practical. Here are four things that positive psychology tells us will do us good. It will do our souls good. Remember, there is nothing new under the sun. So the first is gratitude. Now, there are too many scientific studies to talk about, about gratitude and the links to happiness. In fact, the granddaddy of positive psychology, a guy called Seligman, and many of the other big hitters have done loads and loads of research into this area. And gratitude interventions may be things like counting your blessings, doing things to show gratitude, or grateful contemplation. That sounds great, doesn't it? Um, and these have all been shown to improve well-being or happiness. Um, one example of a gratitude contemplation is that for four weeks, people were given the task of thinking and then journaling um, things that they were grateful for. And this found that there were so many benefits, it's actually too many to go into, but it had a real improvement in your satisfaction with life and it improved your mood. There was also another study that showed that gratitude improves connections. So when you say thank you to somebody, it creates a connection between you. And I just wanted to give you a moment here to think about maybe relationships where you're irritated, irritable, and you're not really noticing what the other does. Maybe it's your spouse. Maybe it's your teenager. Maybe it's God. 
Gratitude helps to form connection. So maybe make a decision now to just notice the things that they are doing that you are grateful for and then tell them. So the Bible, let's bring the Bible in. Did you know that gratitude is mentioned over 170 times in the Bible? Romans says that God turned man man over to their futile thinking and their hearts became darkened because they neither glorified him as God or gave thanks to him. Gratitude to God is that important. Just want to add a little word of caution here. Have you ever tried to be grateful and it's been like heaping burning coals on your head? So science has shown that people who maybe are experiencing depression, trying to engage in gratitude actually can make things worse for them, makes them feel guilty, makes them feel more shameful. So if you're walking with somebody in that season, a little tweak that we can make to do their soul good is to call them to remember good things that have happened. Don't require them to be grateful, but just remember the good things that have happened. And that can help move a downcast heart to joy. So the next one is being in nature. Look at this picture. That was a day off just a couple of weeks ago. Ah, The rainbow is beautiful. Have you ever heard of ecotherapy? Good, some of you have. It's actually a prescribed treatment for people who have mental and physical health conditions. Uh, My favorite study is that 30 minutes, somebody goes and spends 30 minutes for 30 days in nature with no tech, which speaks a bit to what Lewis was saying earlier. And they just focus on something that catches their mind and they're drawn to for 30 minutes, no distractions. And again, before they did this, there'd be loads of measures that were taken to do that, measure their well-being. And they found that, as expected, it improves your meaning in life and your overall mood. The thing that really made me go, ha, is it demonstrated an improvement in spiritual transcendence. Or it made people become aware of awe. Now, that is no surprise because the Bible tells us that creation cries out and sings praise to God. It is the joyful declaration of God's goodness and all that he has done just by stepping outside. Again, in Romans, it says that we don't have an excuse to not know God because creation cries out of his goodness. So, if you're feeling a bit downcast, go for a walk. The next one is acts of kindness. In California, the university there, they did a whole load of studies and they have come up with the recipe for the happiness pie. Um, And they found that there are a number of factors that will influence our satisfaction in life and happiness. 50% is genetic, so we have no control over it, which is slightly concerning. It's quite a powerful number, right? How much do you think is given to circumstances in the happiness pie? 40? I heard a couple of other numbers, didn't quite catch them. 25? It's 10%. 10%. 
it's astounding, right? And 40% is intentional activity. That is a huge amount of control that we have to choose to do things intentionally that will improve our sense of happiness and joy. Random Acts of Kindness um, was a study that's been well known as part of this study in California. And there were four groups of people. Three groups were given um, five acts of kindness that they had to do over seven days. And in one of those, the group, one of the groups had to do all of those acts of kindness in one day. And surprise, surprise, they did find that being kind to others improves your well-being, but only in the group that did all five acts in one day. A life of being kind does our souls good. And it benefits both the giver, it improves your mood, it reduces your anxiety and stress, gives you a greater sense um, of meaning, and it improves things for the receiver. It improves their mood, it increases resilience, and it reduces loneliness. Now, being a, a disciple of Jesus, an apprentice, we are being transformed into his likeness. And I can think of no other who is as kind as Jesus. So when Jesus commands us to love one another and all the other biblical teachings to prefer one another, to be kind, we are not only giving glory to God and pointing people to him, but we are doing our souls good. Now, the last one. I just want to bring to you is mindfulness. This is a slightly um, controversial one maybe for Christians, but I'm going to go there. We're going to be brave. Have you ever got in the car to take a journey that you do a lot? And when you get out the other side, you're kind of like, how the heck did I get here? Did I hurt anyone in the process? <laughs> right? That is autopilot. And when I'm talking about mindfulness, I'm not talking about some of the ancient, maybe Buddhist practices of meditation or things like that. Mindfulness is, de is um, defined as a method of mental training where you come off autopilot, where we learn to notice what is going on around us. It is about learning to be fully present. Now, there is a part of mindfulness, which is mindful med meditation, which is quietening racing thoughts, increasing an awareness of what you're doing and what is going on around you, and becoming aware of our internal emotional state. And this is the key thing. We view it with compassion, not criticism. I don't know about you, but I talk more harshly to myself than I would ever talk to any other human being on the face of the planet. And there is something about um, viewing your internal state with compassion. So now, the reason I'm bringing this to you is Oxford University, they have conducted a massive study on something called mindfulness-based cognitive therapy. And they found that people who use mindfulness meditation are happier and more content. They experience better relationships. There is a reduction in anxiety, depression, and irritability. We all want some of that, don't we? And in fact, the physical health benefits of regular mindful meditation is just too numerous to list. Now, mindfulness meditation, when you read the definition, sounds a lot like prayer to me. 
quietening racing thoughts sounds a lot like be still and know that I am God. Taking thoughts captives is another thing that the Bible teaches us. And whatever is lovely, whatever is pure, whatever is wholesome, fix your minds on these things. So we can see that actually mindfulness is in the Bible. So we shouldn't shrink away from that. But remember that science, when we pray, it is doing us good for so many reasons, as well as connecting with God. And I think, when you think about who Jesus is, there is loads of evidence that suggests he was a mindful human being. He withdrew to pray. He meditated on God's word. He was fully aware of his emotions and those around him, but it never distracted him or pulled him off course. And this is where I am going to land Jesus Because all of these are good ideas, and science tells us they do us good. But Jesus is the cure of souls. He is the one we should imitate when we are considering how to care for our souls. Science will help us to understand our design, but our designer is the one we submit to. In Jesus, he has given us the perfect model of the perfect way to live. In his kindness, he teaches us everything that we need to flourish and thrive. Everything that we need to put our roots in him. So as I said, these are all just suggestions and I hope I've pointed you to Jesus this morning. I don't want your souls to strive, and I don't believe our Father wants them to either. There are so many things as well that are in the Bible that teaches us the good way to live that science backs up. Um, But I just get a real sense that this conference today, the Holy Spirit wants to strengthen us. These things are only a work of the Holy Spirit in us. The Lord is gracious and compassionate. He knows our frame. He desires to draw alongside you and to quiet you with his love. He wants to minister to our souls today. So if anything I have said has provoked you, respond in prayer. Get somebody to come and pray with you. If your soul is sick, don't leave today without having someone bring you to the presence of our Lord, to the cure of souls. Be honest. There is no shame here. Be honest and meet with your Savior. So I'm going to pray for us. And we're going to be heading into lunch in a moment. So, And there's plenty of time to grab somebody to pray with you if that is what your soul needs. But King Jesus, I thank you that we come to you, the cure of souls. Your word teaches us that you will never disappoint us or let us down. And if there are souls here today who are experiencing winter... Would you please meet them? 
God of all comfort, comfort them. Restore to them the joy of their salvation and strengthen feeble arms and weak knees. And those who are experiencing the summer of the soul, would you please inspire them to dig into you more and more, that they would have deep roots by a well-watered stream. We ask these things for your glory, King Jesus. Amen.